You know, last week we showed that whole video, and I had two different people come up to me after the service and say, Whew, I thought you were showing that video because you were wanting us to be that way. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, there's ways to share the gospel and way to, ways to tell people about your Jesus without being like that guy. And that's part of what we want to be talking about during this series, Evangelism 101. We're going to start out kind of laying the foundation of the fact that people matter to God. Now, that may seem like it goes without saying, and it should, but I'm not sure it always does. <laughs> We're going to be looking primarily at Luke 15 uh, this morning, and I know we've looked at, a lot of, uh, looked at Luke 15 a lot over the past few months, but it just lays the foundation for this whole series. In the first couple of verses... Jesus overhears the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law complaining about the fact that Jesus hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. He's, they're like, this is, this is supposed to be a righteous guy, he's supposed to be from God, this is proof that he's not. Look at who he hangs out with. This guy is obviously not from God. And the cool thing about Jesus is, is that he doesn't get combative, he doesn't argue with them. He tells three stories. And I believe he tells these stories to drive home a point. And I believe that in these stories, we can learn some facts about evangelism. Now, here are the stories. <laughs> the first one. Then Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7. Jesus says, now realize this is right after the Pharisees and teachers of the law have just like, he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Why does he do that? Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found my lost sheep! I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then Jesus immediately goes into a second story. You know, just in case that first one didn't do the trick. He says, or suppose that a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin." In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, Jesus has just told two short stories. Now he goes into an extended story. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, this is my favorite part of the story. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what, he, what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And is found. <laughs> Obviously, these stories about about something that's lost. You know, if we if we were doing this series, what 10, 15 years ago, we might even call it Lost, because that's when that show was on television. A lot of people were watching Lost. <laughs> Did anybody here get as frustrated as I do when you lose something? You can't find something. Oh, man, that frustrates me. Very few things frustrate me. I'm typically a pretty calm, laid-back kind of guy. But if I can't find something, or if I'm running late, those two things frustrate me. And if I am running late because I can't find something, oh, man, I'm just over the top. Okay? 
This is a, yeah, my family's going, who is this guy and what'd he do with our dad, you know? It just frustrates me when I can't find something. And if I'm looking for it and I'm going through my, my own little unique filing system that I have, you know, with papers on the floor and all over the desk and stuff like that, and, and I finally find it, man, what happens? I'm excited. I found it. I found what I was looking for. And the longer I was looking for it, the more excited I get when I find it. I can feel my blood, blood pressure start to come back down. I get a smile on my face, you know, because I found it. I found the thing that I was looking for. And I think we see those experiences in these three stories. Some people refer to this chapter, Luke 15, as the lost chapter. Because it's all about what was lost. Now, what do we learn about evangelism in these three stories? I believe there are three commonalities, at least three commonalities in these stories that we could apply to evangelism. Which is what I think Jesus was applying it to, by the way. And the first one is this. There is a focus on what was lost there's a focus on what was lost the three main characters in all these stories in these three stories the main character in each one is what is lost in the first one it's the lost sheep in the second one it's the lost coin in the third one it's the lost son but the main character of all three stories is the lost Maybe as a church, maybe that should be our focus. Reaching those who do not yet know Jesus. Because we need a focus somewhere, right? And it seems like that's what Jesus is teaching here. There is a focus on what is lost. People matter to God and especially those who do not yet know Him. I believe the second thing that we learn from these stories is that they place a high value on what was lost. They don't just focus on it. They place a high value on it. Two of the three stories, there was an all-out search for what was lost. I mean, one person left the 99 to go out into the wilderness and find the one. In the other one, the lady was sweeping and turning the house upside down to find this one lost coin. She put high value on what was lost. And even though there was not an all-out search in the story of the lost son, there was great anticipation as you... As you picture the father just constantly going out there every day waiting for the son. Because I love that part in that story where it says, while his son was still a long way off, he spotted him. And it gives me the impression, it doesn't give me the impression that the father was just out wandering around one day and goes, oh, that must be him. I get the feeling that he went out every day and looked. And then at the end of the day, he was sad because... His son didn't come home that day. And the next day, I could just imagine him looking, anticipating the return of his son. And it wasn't that day either. But eventually, while he was looking out there, one day, he saw him while he was still a long way off. It says he ran to him. 
Why? Because there was a high value on what was lost. Anybody here ever collect anything? Yeah. I know the things that we have that we collect, we value those things. We like to show them off. But don't we tend to put a little higher value on the things that we don't yet have? Especially if it completes a collection of something. I used to, uh, I used to collect Hot Wheels. I've still got them, got a ton of them. And um, in Kentucky, everybody, just about everybody there is, are hunters. Even women are hunters in Kentucky. I never was really a hunter for deer, rabbit, squirrel and all that. I never, I, I did it some, and I, it wasn't a passion of mine. I loved hunting Hot Wheels. Okay? Because anybody who's ever collected Hot Wheels knows you don't get the good Hot Wheels in the middle of the day. You've got to go in the middle of the night. Okay? To those stores that are open 24 hours. <laughs> and so when my son became old enough, that's how I took him hunting. I didn't give him a gun and we go out into the woods. I put him in the car and we went to all the Walmarts within a 20-mile radius of our home. Okay? And we would go in there because used to, <clears throat> the way they would set them up is they would come out with a new line of cars every year and they would divide them up into series and they would have four cars in each series. Except for one series they called a treasure hunt series and they would have 12 in that one and they were called treasure hunts because there was a limited production of those cars. They were very hard to find. You never saw those in the middle of the day. And so we would go hunting for these cars. But you know what I would be looking for? What I put the most value on was not the three out of that four set I already had. It's the one I didn't have. I already had these. I was out looking for the one I didn't have. And especially treasure hunts. Because treasure hunts, the cool thing about them is you could buy them for a dollar in the store and then turn around and sell them for like ten bucks. Because they were so limited and collectors had, had trouble finding them. <clears throat> and so as I got these treasure hunts, obviously I valued them. And I had, I had frames that I put up on my wall that held all my cars and all this stuff. And, and I would find these treasure hunts. But like I said, 12 of them would come out. If I had 11 of those and there's one missing, what do I put the most value on? The one missing, right? I mean, if I'm going to a collector or somebody that deals in Hot Wheels and he goes, man, I've got, uh, I've got November here. I'll sell it to you for 20 bucks. I'm like, I've already got November. I don't need November. I, I'll give you five for it. It's not as valuable. To, but if he hands me the one I don't have and he says, I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. Uh, all right, let's go. <laughs> I'll give you the 20 bucks that I take it out. <laughs> There's a high value on what I do not yet have. I used, to, uh, I used to pride myself on having all the official Bob Dylan CD releases. From, from 1962, obviously it was an album then, but by the time I was collecting, it was CDs. <laughs> from, from his first release in 1962 all the way up to the 90s, I, I had all his official releases during that time except for one because it was not released in the United States. It could only be found in Europe. And this was back before you could just jump on Amazon and order anything from anywhere at any time. But I had a uncle who was in the military who was getting ready 
to be stationed in Germany. And so I had him look for that CD while he was there, and he found it, and he sent it to me. And my, my collection was complete. <laughs> but even though I valued all the ones I had, the one that I valued the most is the one I did not have. I wanted to get that one. We see that in these three stories. There is a high value on what was lost. The third thing that I believe that we learn from these stories that we can apply to evangelism is that there was a celebration of the find. Whenever what was lost was found, there was an all-out celebration. <laughs> I mean, they were inviting their neighbors and their family and their friends, and they were going, yes, I found, I found my sheep, let's party. I found my coin, let's party. I found my son, let's party. They would have this all-out party in celebration because that which was lost had been found. And it's an amazing thing that takes place when you lose something, and you're focused on that. You put a high value on it because you can't find it. And then when you do find it, you, don't, you never would you go, okay, I'm glad I found that. You wouldn't be searching for it like crazy if you weren't going to celebrate when you found it. This is Justin Glen Cove. We've got approximately 13,000 people that do not know Jesus. Just at Glen Cove. That's not counting Locust Valley and Sea Cliff and other surrounding areas. <laughs> 13,000 people. You know what that is? It's our focus. It's where we put our high value. And it's what we celebrate when just one of them comes to know Jesus. You know, in Luke... <laughs> Chapter 19, if you go over a few chapters from 15, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said this. He said, for the Son of Man, and that's, that's a phrase that Jesus often used when he was talking about himself. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is saying, this is why I've come, to seek and save the lost. And the church is here to continue the ministry of Jesus. Matter of fact, Paul oftentimes referred to the church as the body of Christ. We are to continue to do what Jesus did while he was on this earth. That means we are here to seek and save the lost. We must, as a church, we must focus on what is lost. Put a high value on what is lost. And then celebrate the find. Celebrate the find. We're going to play a video here in a second. It's a video clip of uh, Penn Gillette. If you're familiar with Penn and Teller, comedians, magicians. Penn Gillette is an atheist. But he shares in this video an experience that he had with um, somebody who was a, was a Christian. And, and what he said to him. 
Now, he will use the term proselytize here. I'm, I don't really like that term. Basically, what he's talking about is people telling other people about Jesus, people sharing their faith with people. And um, it's very interesting what he says in this video. Let's watch this video. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. And, I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and... Um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And... Uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice insane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible 
and not tell them that. I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, liked your show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man, and... Uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Wow. Sometimes those who don't believe get it better than those of us who do. Did you hear that line? How much would you have to hate somebody to believe that there's an opportunity for eternal life and not tell them about it? Let's share the word. Not like the annoying guy at the beginning in that video, but with love and compassion. Let us look for opportunities to be able to share. My, my prayer is this that God will open up doors for each and every one of us, that we will recognize those doors, and that we will have the courage to walk through those doors. Because I believe that he will answer all three of those prayers if we pray that together. I leave you guys with this last thought. Lost people matter to God. They must matter to us as well. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, thank you for loving me. I thank you that I matter to you, and I matter to you even before you mattered to me. <laughs> God, help us to share that message with other people as well, that they matter to you, that you love them like crazy. God, I pray right now, for each and every person here that you will open up doors for each and every one of us to be able to share Jesus. That you will help us to recognize those doors and that you will give us the courage to walk through them. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.